Deadbeat Scroll by Mark Coggins is slick, sardonic, and suspenseful. Everything a great thriller should be, says New York Times bestselling author Lee Child. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 25 Text and Subtext After a lot of grumbling about misuse of city resources, Kittredge dropped me off on Ellis Street at the back of the flood building. I went in the arched entryway next to John's grill and rode up to the 12th floor. The door to Duckworth Investigative Solutions was propped open, and Gretchen was just inside the threshold with a broom sweeping what looked like shards of her broken coffee cup into the hallway. She leaned the broom against the doorframe when she saw me and marched back into the office. Reappearing a moment later, she thrust her phone under my nose. The texting app was open, and there was a message next to a picture of my much younger face. I got beat up pretty bad, it read. I'm in the ICU at UCSF. My jaw is wired shut, and I can't talk. Where'd you get that picture? Is that from when we were still dating? Leave it to you to zero in on the most important thing. That's the photo I have for you on my phone. Yes, from a long time ago. If they spoofed the number for the text message, the picture shows too. Did you go to the hospital? Of course. There wasn't any record of your being admitted but it took time to establish that. Then I called a bunch of other hospitals, thinking you'd got it wrong in your delirious state. I've been known to do that. Why didn't you text me back? I did, several times. Oh, I must have missed the notifications. I finally decided to come back here in case you or the hospital called the office number. And you found... She unfurled her arm behind her as if she were revealing a game show prize. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't a free home makeover from HGTV. I stepped around her into the office. The only thing that stopped it from being as bad as Corinne White's apartment was that they had less material to work with. Gretchen's chromium and glass desk was overturned and smashed, its drawers strewn around it like orbiting satellites. Her potted plants had been pulverized. Her Arion chairs had been flipped over, and her file cabinets toppled. A layer of file folders, documents, and post-its covered everything like oversized confetti. Real confetti from the office shredder was thrown in for good measure. I glanced at the door to Chris's office. How's the other room? Worse. They took all the computer equipment as well. That doesn't make any sense. Why not? It's the only thing of real value in the office. I realized that Gretchen was behind the times, and I updated her on everything that had transpired since Ray and I had left for the storage unit. Agog was the best description of her expression. So they ransacked the place looking for the manuscript. 
Yes, and I bet they searched the postry department again. Gretchen tugged at the hem of her double-breasted blazer and shook her head. This is bad, August. Well, it could be worse. We still have... No, you're not getting it. It means they didn't want to trade. It means they don't want to give up Angelina. I hung my head. Or they're not in a position to give her up. But we can't let ourselves think like that. It might be they figured they could make a quick score and not have to deal with us. Maybe. I just hope your crazy friend did what you told him. Ray, you mean? Yes, Ray. Have you talked to him since you sent him off with a scroll? Uh, no. Well, goddammit, isn't it about time? I fumbled out my cell phone, dialed Ray's number, and pressed the speakerphone option so Gretchen could listen in. It was so long before he picked up that I was certain the call had gone to voicemail. Even after he answered, the only thing we heard was muffled rustling. Ray, are you there? Still more rustling. Ray Heinzman speaking. I know that. This is August. Where are you? A beat went by. Oh, out and about. What does that mean? I expected you to lie low at the hotel. Did you drop off the scroll like I told you? He cleared his throat. <clears throat> well, about that. I stopped at a bar on the way to wet my whistle and accidentally left it in the booth. It was gone when I came back. Gretchen stared at me with eyes bulging. I shook my head at her. Cut it out, Ray. This has gotten serious. It wasn't already serious? Yeah, I took care of it like you asked. You should have already received the uh, means to redeem it. Okay. Why the roundabout phrasing? Now who's not being serious? How do I know your phone's not tapped? Gretchen and I exchanged a look. She took hold of the sleeve of my sport coat and pulled me into the corridor. How do we know they didn't leave a bug in the office? Jesus, you two are paranoid. What are you talking about? asked Ray. I explained about the office being searched and Gretchen's concern about a bug being left behind. She's right. That's even more likely than the phone being tapped. Much easier to do. I hope you didn't say anything about the disposition of the scroll while you were in there. A frisson of panic ran through me. I couldn't remember if I gave Gretchen the details of what I'd tasked Ray with or simply told her I'd asked him to put the scroll in a safe place. She must have seen the panic on my face. Relax. You just told me you asked Ray to stash it. I let out a ragged breath. All right. We need to up our game from now on. Ray, you said your last name when you answered. I want you to switch hotels and check into a new one under a different name. And stay away from us. We can't be seen together. No problem. I already checked out anyway. What? Don't worry. It's all good. I'll update you when we can talk safely. I better go now. Wait, what are you up to? Bye! I put the phone back in my pocket and looked over at Gretchen. What was that about? she asked. Knowing Ray, it's either something terribly clever and useful, 
or it's something eccentric and strange that only an 80-something-year-old aerospace engineer would think of. I hope it's the former. I'm going to finish cleaning up. Then I'll have the office swept for bugs. By who? She smiled. You forget this high-tech stuff is our specialty now. We have a firm we work with. What about you? I brought my hand up to rub my temples. Guess I'll go back to the apartment and see if they searched it. Then I'll wait. They've got to get in touch. They've done just about everything else. Gretchen nodded and reached over to give my forearm a squeeze. Be careful. You too, and know that any future communications from me will be in person, or, worst case, by phone. No texting. No texting. It took me about 15 minutes to cover the eight blocks back to the Post Street apartment. It seemed shorter because I couldn't get my mind off the treadmill of worry launched by Gretchen's comment about Brendan and Andreas not wanting, or being able, to trade Angelina for the scroll. My own explanation that they were trying for a quick score seemed less and less persuasive. When I crossed Leavenworth for the final block of the journey, prudence overcame preoccupation, and I slowed my pace and slipped the Luger out of its holster. I held it down by my side, scanning the street for anyone aiming target pistols at me as I approached the door. I managed to open the keyless entry system without being shot and stepped into the lobby. But as I crossed to the elevator, Andreas came around the elevator cage holding a silenced pistol with a fancy sighting system aimed right at my chest. Come on, he wants to see you. I should have been pleased. It was exactly what I'd been waiting for. But I was tired of being pushed around. I brought the Luger up to cover his torso. Would he like to see my vintage Luger, too? Don't be stupid. I'm not the one who brought a pea shooter to a gunfight. These are twenty-two magnums. These are nine-millimeter hollow points. They'll tear a fist-sized hole in your guts. Muscles at the side of his jaw bunched. He just wants to talk. Talk where, exactly? He's waiting in a car parked around the corner. Fine. We can talk, but on my terms. Put the gun on the floor. This doesn't have to be a standoff. It's not a standoff. A standoff is where nobody has an advantage. He drew his mouth into a line that looked like a puckered scar and shifted his weight back and forth between his legs, trying to decide. Put the gun down. He broke at the knees and ratcheted himself into a squat, keeping his eyes on mine the whole time. He set the gun down gently, almost lovingly. I gestured with the Luger, over to the door, and stay clear of me as you pass. He did as he was told, giving me a wide berth. When he reached the entrance, he turned to look back at me. Eyes front, I snapped, then scooped up the pistol. Let's go see Daddy. This will put you in solid with him. You have been listening to The Deadbeat Scroll, 
a book the New York Journal of Books described as a glorious potpourri of violence, black humor, sex, and a hunt for a lost manuscript. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.